This podcast episode is brought to you by Phone Sites. With Phone Sites, you can build a website or sales funnel that generates leads from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any tech skills or without downloading an app. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Nate. Ain't no five and no six. I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, Nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera. I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable from my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years of marriage. It's never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm called to be a leader I'ma lead the way, cause I'm a firm believer We can do anything we want If I said it, then I meant it I probably already did it Consider it done If you need some inspiration, you should play this Championship Leadership Podcast Hey, Bailey Hey, what's up, everybody? Championship Leadership Podcast here, and today I'm excited. We got Garrett Bake. He is out of, uh, well, now he's out of Boise, Idaho, just recently moved there. He was a police officer for 15 years, involved in SWAT, narcotics, undercover, you name it, total badass. 2017, he made that easy, quote-unquote, easy transition into the business world. He has a podcast. It was actually just a guest on his podcast, a tactical businessman, and also a creator of the coaching program called tactical businessman so uh thank you for being here man i appreciate you coming on thanks for having me my man i it's a really an honor to be here yeah absolutely and uh so i love to start us off with the name of the podcast is championship leadership like what does championship leadership mean to you when you hear that that's a really good question uh it takes me back to the old high school days right we all have the yeah. high school football coach that you know, wore the shorts that were too short, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, super tight. a little mustache, or a little hat, you know, <laughs> yeah. yelling and screaming at you. And I remember looking at him and, and wanting nothing more than to succeed, right? You want to win. And unfortunately, our team uh, usually fell short because by about the middle of the season, grades came out and half the team was in <laughs> So it made for an interesting time. But that was my first introduction into this idea of, you know, being a champion, right? And I learned very early in life that what would make a championship team was this idea of personal responsibility or leadership, right? Too many of us, and myself included for many years, thought that leadership meant me leading other people, right? And in reality, the highest form of leadership is just leading yourself. So Mm. uh, for me, this idea of championship leadership means understanding that there's a pinnacle or a place that I'm going and in order for me to get there, the person that I have to lead is me. Yeah, no, I love that. That Yeah, it starts with you, right? Very powerful. And I think it's not that obvious to, to a lot of people that it really, you know, you just start with yourself. You want to lead someone else, like get your stuff in order, especially as a coach. 
I think there's a lot of coaches out there that they like to skip that step. They might not necessarily be living the way that they're teaching and preaching. So yeah, start with you. Definitely. Well, tell us a little bit more about you and like, tell us your story, if you would, and how you've gotten to where you are today. (laughs) This is one that, uh, (laughs) <laughs> going to laugh at or probably scratch your head. It's a, it's a very interesting one. Um, I didn't grow up wanting to be a police officer and I definitely didn't grow up wanting to be an entrepreneur. Uh, mm-hmm. I grew up just like most kids do, which is I just want to play and have fun, right? Yeah. And, and for me, uh, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but for me, in my mind, I was like, man, I'm a pretty good athlete. The problem was, is I was in a very small little border town and there weren't a whole lot of athletes around, so I kind of stuck out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so I got a little bit of ego in me, <laughs> and uh, I was like, you know what? I, I want to be a professional athlete, right? I want to play pro football uh, was one of the things I wanted to do. And, and I remember going to a camp at uh, Arizona State University my junior year and basically getting schooled by <laughs> everyone that was there. Yeah. And uh, I was like, huh maybe I'm not as good as, as, as I thought I was. Uh, it actually motivated me to work harder and, and I did get better and whatnot. And, and as yeah. I was telling you, I wasn't the best athlete. I got some D3 scholarships. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Mona and Pitts are in California. I actually didn't take them. I just went to ASU, but yeah. um, that, like, that's how my path started. And when I realized that I wasn't going to be an athlete, I was like, well, I still want to be around athletics because I, I love the environment, competitive environment, the team environment. And so I said, well, I'll be a physical trainer. And go to college and start studying anatomy and physiology and realized very quickly that I was not good at that either. So I said, okay, what's the next best thing? Oh, computers. Computers are important. So I got into that and took some coding classes and failed out of those. Uh, And so I was kind of in this space of nothing's really working for me right now. Uh, And I really didn't know what I wanted. Well, at the same time, I'd been dating my wife now, but at that point, my high school girlfriend for a while, and we ended up getting married. And the plan was graduate from college, get some work experience, make some decent money, and then have kids. Well, we all know it doesn't quite work out exactly the way we wanted to. <laughs> right. So three months after we got married, she got pregnant. If, wow. if you're listening, condoms don't always work. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of threw a wrench in things. And I ended up getting a job, right? The proverbial job. And I was working at a semiconductor company, basically moving paperwork and information between engineering and production. It was just a job. And I was in this job going to school. Then, you know, my son was born and and I'm basically going nowhere in life. And at that point, I remember one morning I was sitting in bed and I turn on the TV and I'm watching the Twin Towers burning. And like most of us, anybody who's alive at that point remembers exactly where they were when that happened. Mm-hmm. And I had my young son in my lap at the time and I'm watching the towers like burn and then collapse. And I was mesmerized. And at the same time, I got really angry. And I was like, where does this anger come from? I don't know. I'm really angry at bad people doing bad things. Yeah. And uh, when my wife got home from work, she's a teacher. When she got home from work, I told her, I was like, hey, made up my mind. I'm going to join the military and I'm going to go kick someone's ass. And she goes, oh, that's a great idea. Go ahead but you're going to come back divorced. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, all right. Well, maybe, maybe not that. Um, so again, just kind of milling through things. About a month yeah. later, my neighbor across the street's like, hey, uh, I'm testing to be a police officer. You should be a police officer. And I was like, oh, 
that sounds like a good idea. I'll be a police officer. <laughs> and, and that's kind of how I, I fell into it. But okay. uh, much like most men, I wanted to succeed, right? In whatever it was that I was doing. And so I wanted to be the best police officer. Well, just like in any other career, whether you're you know, a salesman or you work in insurance or, or an athlete, whatever it is that you want, you want to succeed and you want to be the best. And so you start to dedicate the one thing that we have a limited amount of resources of, and that is time. Yep. More time at work, more time, more time, more time, which means if you're at work more time, what's getting less time? That's the family. Yeah. That's you know, your personal life. And I had a few people that told me that I would never amount to anything inside of the career. Hmm. And so I took that very personally and, and started, again, pushing myself very hard. And so I started working nights and I started working weekends and I worked holidays and kids' birthday parties and family get-togethers. And this gap started to appear in my life, you know, and I was starting to have success inside of work. But at the same time, my marriage was starting to fall apart. At the same time, I'd come home and be, you know, asshole dad and the kids didn't want to spend any time with me or talk to me or, or anything with me, right? And so I'm like, well, maybe they just need more money or whatever. And so I would go to work and make more money, right? Bring yeah. home the bacon. And this crazy thing happened where one area of my life took off and the other one just started collapsing. Um, I was working uh, narcotics at the time. I was working undercover, which is for some people, the pinnacle of police work, right? And not a lot of people get that opportunity. I was working on the SWAT team. I was doing all these things but at the same time, I couldn't figure out how to have a regular conversation with my wife. I couldn't figure out how to tell my son or my daughter that they were doing something wrong without yelling and screaming at them. And it got to this point where I didn't know what to do anymore because of all this pressure and stress and overwhelm that I had in my life. And so I did what any logical person would do. I started to find ways to sedate and not think about it anymore, right? I ended up having an anxiety attack at work, so I started abusing prescription pills. Uh, when that wasn't enough, um, I started drinking heavily with the boys, of course. Uh, when that wasn't enough, of course, I went to find someone that would bring me the love that I felt that was missing in my life, which meant you know, another woman, which started with innocent flirtations and eventually led to me cheating on her. Yeah. Well, even at that point, guess what? I still wasn't happy. I still didn't have what I wanted. So I did what I thought was the next best thing, a divorce. I don't need you anymore. You're not providing any happiness for me. I'm just going to go do this on my own. And for about eight months, I lived on my friend's couch and again, just buried myself in work. I was working anywhere from 18 to 20 hours a day. Sometimes I just sleep in my truck in the parking lot, shower in the office, and then go back to work. And I was at this point after about eight months that I was almost numb to what was going on around me. I didn't really have a relationship with my kids. My wife had already started the divorce paperwork. Like it, it just, it was over. And it was about three o'clock in the morning and I'm laying the seat back in my truck. I'm not going to go home because it doesn't make any sense now. I got to be at work in a couple hours. And I remember looking over and seeing my duty belt and my gun in the passenger seat. And for the first time in my life, I'm thinking, maybe I should just end this now. My wife will get my life insurance I, and I won't be a problem for anybody anymore and I won't have to deal with this. And I remember sitting with that thought for a while, like planning out how things were going to work out without me being there. And as I was sitting there, I had this voice come into my, my mind, my heart inside of me. And this voice just asked a simple question, what do you want? And I hadn't asked myself that for the longest time. 
I thought it would be a complicated question, but it was very simple because I knew what I wanted. I wanted to be a good husband. I wanted to be a good father. And I wanted to be successful at work. I wanted the proverbial have it all, right? I wanted all of those things. Yeah. And then the follow-up question came, which is, what are you waiting for? And I knew at that moment what I needed to do. And that was to go back and literally for the first time in my life, commit all in to my marriage and my life. And I did. And it took, let's say three or four years, just like committed time in a process of trying to figure this thing out. Uh, we went to Tony Robbins. We went to Landmark. We tried all of these things, Kevin Nations, and uh, ended up very similar to you, uh, you know, coming across Warrior and finally finding all the pieces that I needed to create that life that I wanted. And after a couple of years, much like you, you had this successful career in insurance, but your heart was pulling you in a different direction. It was yeah. the same for me. And, and so one day I decided, hey, this is it. Uh, I've spent this career doing this awesome stuff, but I'm done. And two weeks later, I was out. Walked away from a pension, from guaranteed health insurance, from life insurance, walked away from it all to do what I'm doing now, which hasn't been the path that I thought it would be. I thought I would just show up and be like, hey, world, here I am. Yeah, right. We're like, who are you? We don't care about you. <laughs> uh, but that's kind of how I got to where I'm at right now. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Appreciate you sharing that. And, uh, you know, it's, we all have a story, right? We all have a different path that we take, but at the same time, we're not that different. We're not as different as we believe ourselves to be. Right. Which I think is, makes it a lonely place for a lot of people. You know, we're all special. We're all unique and all that, but we're not nearly as special and unique as we think. And there's power in that. So were you able to experience that yourself when you came across Warrior? Yeah, that was the, the one thing that stood out to me the most, and, and you just hit the nail on the head, was we all want the same thing. None of us want to talk about it, but we all want the same thing. We all want to be physically fit. We all want to have a connection with our families, and we all want to be successful you know, at work, whatever it is that we do. But none of us ever wants to talk to anybody else about it. None of us ever wants to go seek help or guidance. None of us ever wants to go explore around and see what better actually looks like. And so we get stuck in this world of thinking that we're all alone. Nobody understands me. Nobody gets me. Nobody knows what I've been through, so on and so forth. And yeah, maybe your life circumstances aren't exactly like somebody else's, but he experiences the same pain that you do. He experiences the same wants and desires that you do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Who have been some people along that path that you just talked about that have really impacted you? And, you know, again, it's, I always say this, like, it's not really who they are, but it's really you know, what about them? You know, when we talk about championship leadership, like leaders, coaches, mentors, people that have impacted you, in what ways have they, what made them championship leaders? What are some things that you've taken from them and really have helped to mold who you are as a championship leader? That's a really good question. And there's a couple of men along the path that have kind of done that for me. One of them was, he was a supervisor of mine when I was working on the police department and ended up after I promoted was a, a peer of mine. Uh, name was Jalen Ellos. And when I was working with Jalen, I was actually on the gang unit, which it's a pretty intense thing. And, yeah. you know, at times we're going after armed robbers, bank robbers, and, you know, child molesters and all these crazy things. And it requires a certain level of, you know, focus and understanding to make sure you're doing things as safely as you can and, and so on and so forth. And at that point, I was still very willy-nilly, gung-ho, you know, shoot from the hip kind of a guy, which yeah. 
had kind of served me to a point, but I didn't realize right then how lucky I'd really been. And there was one particular night where we were chasing a group of armed robbers and we went to, to arrest them. Of course, they took off. They ended up going into a, a gas station parking lot. Well, if you've seen police officers, you know that for the most part, their cars end up behind uh, a vehicle that they stop. And there's a reason for that. It's more safe. They have more control, so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, I did what is a complete no-no at the time because I was so amped up and just wanted the result. Yeah. I cut off their car and actually ended up in front of them. Well, my sergeant was riding with me at the time. Jalen was riding with me at the time. Yeah. So he ends up face-to-face with the driver of the car. Yeah which was not a good thing. Luckily, they decided not to do anything because we ended up arresting them and, of course, find guns in the car. But he actually gave me my first really big kick in the dick. I bet. And it wasn't uh, like yelling in your face kind of a talk. It was a very passionate, you need to learn to slow down. And I didn't understand what that meant, but he showed me because I got booted from the gang unit. I literally was sent back to patrol. Oh, wow. So here I'm at this point, like the pinnacle of my career, at least I thought, and I get booted back to patrol, right? And it was a huge piece of humble pie, but I needed it because I did need to learn to slow down. I did need to learn to see things farther than right in front of my face. And so he was one of the first real leaders that appeared in my life. I would definitely put a religious leader who, when I was again, trying to recover and come out of this pit that I was in. Same thing. It was this leadership by example idea, right? And I'll talk about one more, but these three guys, I just want to pause real quick and, and just the process that, that I understood and learned from these guys. The first one was learn. Like I had to learn whatever it was in that moment in my life, right? Leadership is the same way. You have to learn what leadership is. The second mm-hmm. thing is, is you have to live it. You have to live it for yourself before you can take step three, which is lead it, right? Lead somebody else through it. And so Jalen taught me what that was, which eventually, you know, after a few years, got me to the point where I was supervising the same type of units with him. My uh, religious leader, it was the same thing. I had to learn what a real connection with God was again, because I just was like, oh yeah, God's a part of my life, you know, or I believe in God, which doesn't really mean anything. So I had to learn that, live it, and then now be able to have conversations with men about the same thing. And then the last one I would put there would be Garrett White. I think with Garrett, you fall on one side of the spectrum or the other. He's a complete asshole or he's a master at what he does. Um, And I'll be honest, I've seen both sides of him. He is just a man, but he managed to put the system together that, you know, was the last piece of allowing me to create the life that I wanted. And, uh, you know, he would be the third. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. What was it about Garrett that you took from him as far as leadership goes? The biggest thing that I got from Garrett it was one lesson and that was do what you said you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, he says things in, in his own terminology and his own way of, of thinking, but it's really do what you said you're going to do. You know, if you commit that you're going to work on your body, then work on your body. If you commit that you're going to have a better relationship, then work on that. You know, if you commit that you're going to build your business and go build your business, instead of just talking about it and pretending and ending up in the same place that you've ended up before, do what you said you're going to do. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. I want to come back to, you know, talking about getting kicked off of the gang unit back into patrol, you know, cause I, I ask this question a lot. I see this as probably a pretty critical moment for you inside of your life. And I always love to talk about that because there's probably a lot of the listeners right now that are in critical moments and just, you know, not sure what to do or the, what choice to make. And a lot of people are probably telling them to go one way 
which is not the path that they really want to, but everybody else is telling them, you know, that that's where they should go. So it wasn't your choice to get kicked back to patrol, but it was definitely a choice on how you handled that, which allowed you to get back as a supervisor and peer with Jalen, I believe you said his name was. Yeah. So talk to me about that. Like, how did you handle that? That would have been really tough. Would have sucked. It could have been very easy to be like, screw this. Yeah. Maybe talk us through that because I think that's definitely a critical moment that we could learn from. Yeah. It's really interesting looking back now, of course, what I know now and what was happening back then, just like shaking my head going, man, I can't believe you were that stupid (laughs) because there were times, and, and I don't really talk about it a lot, but there were times that I put myself in situations that if someone wanted to shoot me, they very well could have shot me Yeah, because I was being completely unsafe about what I was doing. And so I initially would say to people when they asked about what happened that I was forced out, right? But the truth was it's what needed to happen. There was no other way. He couldn't have talked to me. Uh, He couldn't have mentored me. There wasn't anybody else that could have talked to me at that point to get it through my thick skull, what needed to happen. And so you know, I, I had to go back. When I first started, I was, I was very bitter. I was very angry. I didn't understand. I didn't see. And it took probably upwards of a year to finally see and understand why it happened and what I needed to learn from it. Uh-huh. And uh, recently I, I read a book that your listeners might be familiar with uh, by Ryan Holiday called The Obstacle is the Way. Yeah. Love it. And it, it's a very powerful book because it starts to say, well, it introduces you to the concepts of stoicism and I won't get too deep into that. But basically the obstacles that appear in your life, you see them as obstacles or you see them as opportunities, right? And that's yeah. a choice that you make. And it took me about a year, but when I switched mindsets from obstacle to opportunity, I saw that in order to get to where I wanted to go, to promote, to do all these other things, I needed to learn the exact things that he was telling me. In other words, it was a gift. Yeah, I didn't see right. it at the time, but it was a gift. So for me, it's that mindset of understanding that life is always going to have one of two things, obstacles or opportunities. And it just depends on how you look at them as to whether you're able to move past them or not. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. I love it. Thank you. I know that's a, it was a big shift for me in my life when I started to see things for opportunities or lessons, right. That I can take. Cause I, for a long time before that, I just went through life really kind of aimlessly not seeing anything as a lesson, but just as like yeah, obstacles or just kind of going through life numb and, and not being observant to it and just letting it pass me by. Um, so that's powerful. What's uh, well talk to us now about like, What's your vision for what you're doing now as a tactical businessman? Um, got the podcast, got the coaching program. Like, what's the vision for you and, and what's your, the impact that you want to make and where you want to go maybe in the next five years? Uh, that's a great, great question. When I look at what I'm doing now, I've honed my focus. A lot of people have asked, like, why don't you coach police officers? Well, because all of my lessons and things, they already know. and they've chosen not to apply them. It is what it is. Um, At some point, I'll have a free program that I'll throw their way. But but what I found when I got into this world of uh, being an entrepreneur, I found that uh, my personality, my background, my stories, and and how I interact with people really connected with businessmen, you know? And so I said, okay, well, what does this look like? And, And I started to build this out. And Really, 
what my focus is with the tactical businessman is saying, hey, it doesn't matter where you are right now in your business, in your personal life, whatever. If we can put the right pieces in place and find the right balance for you, because for everybody it's different, but find that right balance for you, then the possibilities that have always presented themselves in your life become reality. And so for me, the next five years, if you will, it's about continuing to build this into a program that can spread not only on an individual basis, but inside of companies themselves. You know, uh, you and I obviously subscribe to similar philosophies, but imagine if you went into an office and the focus wasn't just on work at the office, it was making sure that you were mentally taken care of, you were physically taken care of, and it was uh, almost a holistic approach to life instead of always segmenting things, right? Hey, you're at work, you got to worry about work. Hey, you're at home, don't worry about work. Hey, some, somewhere during the day, you got to figure out uh, how to take care of yourself. Creating something right now, it's not live yet, but I'm creating something called the time code. And it's, it revolves around this idea of understanding time and being able to take advantage of it. Because when you think about time, a lot of us want more of it, but it's one of the very few things that you can't buy. Mm -hmm. There's no way to buy time. But a lot of people don't understand exactly what time is. Um, when I ask somebody, well, how do you measure time? They're like, oh, well, on a watch or on my phone or whatever. But if you go back to the foundation of time, time is a measurement of movement, right? So if you think of a day, it's one rotation of the earth. If you take a month, it's one rotation of the moon around the earth. A year is one rotation of the earth around the sun then time is not anything other than movement or another word for movement is progress. So what are we looking for in each of our lives? It's progress. We yeah. don't want more time. We want more progress. So if you're able to better leverage your time to make progress in your relationship, make progress in your body, make progress in your business, then you start to feel more fulfilled. So that's really my purpose with the tactical businessman is to help men understand and see the value of time in their own lives and then create their own personal time codes. Awesome, man. I love it. Are there any other critical moments that you could think of? You know, we talked about the one, of course, but is there anything else that really sticks out to you that had you decided to move a different way, talk about movement, to move a different way in your life, you know, you would be in a completely different spot than you are today? Yes. <laughs> I actually, uh, coming out of high school, I actually got an Air Force ROTC scholarship. Really? Yeah. So uh, okay. I would have had college all paid for and, and just had to serve four years in the, in the Air Force, um, which would have been a pretty simple gig. Yeah. However, this thing called ego got in the way. Uh -huh. and, uh, and I have a big one, uh, or at least I used to. And as a high school senior, I was one of the very few guys that could actually grow facial hair. <laughs> so I had this like really cool looking goatee, or at least I told myself it was yeah. cool. And I went off to ASU with my scholarship my freshman year, and I'm taking all these classes. And one of the requirements was we had to do drill a couple of times a week in the morning. Yeah. And so uh, I showed up for drill the first time and I had my goatee and the, the drill instructor's like, Hey dummy, uh, you can keep the mustache, but uh, this has got to go. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Show up the next day or the next uh, day that we had a uh, drill, and he's like, I don't think you heard me the last time. If you don't get rid of it, like you're done. And I was like, This is stupid. You're stupid. So I show up <laughs> the next week and I did shave and I had this mustache, but I look like yeah. an idiot with a mustache. And uh, so, again, after I think it was three weeks of college, having this full ride scholarship, I decided, You know what? This is stupid. This isn't for me. And so I threw away a full ride scholarship. Oh to college because I was too egotistical to shave 
A goatee. A goatee. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. So yes, the that was a huge moment. You, you know, must not have talked to anybody about that, huh? No. Or I did you? I no. didn't. I was just, again. It was yeah. like, oh, they want me. I'm cool. You know, I I was so into myself, and so I think about, you know, what would life have been like if I would have gone down that path? Probably completely different. Yeah, right. But you know, I mean, and again, it has you here today where you are uh, because of it. So you know, I'm definitely a believer that it all you know happens for a reason. So, what are a few things that you could leave with the listeners here that? they could take and like just implement into their life right away to help them move forward. As we start to wrap this up, like one or two things, guiding life principles, uh, things that you, you know, you've learned along the way that would benefit the listeners. Great, great question. I'm going to keep this super short because I know I've talked a lot. Uh, I, I just went through this with uh, the groups that I coach right now. And we talked about, you know, it being a new year. And the problem is that most people end up making the same goals or targets that they had the year before and the year before uh-huh. that and the year before that. How do you get out of that cycle? And uh, Tony Robbins actually mentioned this. It's one of the few things I attribute to him, but he says, uh, it doesn't matter how high or how lofty your, your goals, or your targets are, you will always fall to the level of your standards. Yeah. And so what needs to change is not the loftiness of your goals, or your targets, it's your standards. It's what you hold yourself to. And that. so for me, one of the biggest things that changed my life was the implementation of two things. Well, three things, actually. The first one being a morning routine. I don't know what your morning routine looks like, but you need a morning routine that deals with your physical body, i.e. some kind of sweating exercise. It deals with uh, your connection with God or a higher power, whatever you believe with. It deals with your family and ultimately it gets you prepared for whatever it is you do for work. Mm-hmm. A solid, consistent morning routine. The second thing is a way to process whatever it is that's going on inside your head. We all got stories from our past. We all have things that happen to us, trauma, so on and so forth. And every single day, something's going to pop in. My wife hates me now. My kids hate me. My boss hates me, whatever it is. You need a way to deal with that. As some people, uh, Byron Katie came up with a system of, of questions. So she's got a pretty good system. But I invite you to find a way to process the things that are going on in your head. And the third is find a group. Find a group of people who are going where you want to go that are willing to hold you accountable. You're alone only because you choose to be alone. Life doesn't have to be that way. There are people out there that are willing to help you because they're going to the same place that you are. So those three things, the morning routine, a way to process the thoughts in your head and find a group. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, powerful too. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. What are a few ways that we can find out more about you, follow you, what you got going on, your podcast, your, your uh, tactical business plan program? Right. Uh, so if you want to uh, follow me, you can, uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. It's, it's Garrett, commonly spelled. Just kidding. It's not commonly spelled. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm sure he'll put it in the show notes, but it's uh, yes, G-E-R-R-I-T-T-B-A-K-E, Garrett Bake. You can go to the tacticalbusinessman.com. I've got uh, a little something there for you to kind of you know, help your mindset get right. And then if you're following me on any one of the social media platforms, soon we'll have, like I was saying, this time code challenge out which will help you, again, create your own version of time that, that works for you and where it is that you're trying to go. Awesome, brother. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and taking time to uh, share your story. And uh, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks, my man. You bet. Nature going home, I miss my life, miss my wife, 15 months she was all alone.
But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera. I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable from my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years of marriage, it's never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader, I'ma lead the way, cause I'm a firm believer. We can do anything we want. If I said it, then I meant it, I probably already did it. Consider it done. Consider it done. If you need some inspiration, you should play this. Championship Leadership Podcast. Baby.